0: Created for purpose, a unique genetic blueprint from the moment of conception. DNA woven together to determine gender, eye color, hair color, fearfully and wonderfully made. Valued beyond measure. Our culture says life is disposable. her rights matter most. It's not really a baby. And it's all one big choice. But God created us in his own image and whispered, I have called you by name, you are mine. In the United States, abortion is legal throughout the entire pregnancy, totally unrestricted. Most recently, abortion has been boxed up in the form of two little pills and a promise to make it all go away. What will you do to make a difference for life? How can you be a voice? Will you help save a life? There are over 2,700 pregnancy centers in the United States serving men and women free of charge and full of hope, providing pregnancy tests, life affirming counsel, abortion recovery, classes, clothing, and diapers. Many centers offer the first glimpse of a woman's baby in the womb. Displaying the magnificence of creation and the precious beats of a tiny heart, perfectly formed and fashioned by the one who created them. They serve faithfully, love well, encourage, they are hope dealers. They need volunteers, your prayers, and your financial support. Will you please give generously and help make a difference for life today?
1: We are blessed in Athens to have the Athens Pregnancy Center, and today is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday observed by Christians all over America. And uh, if you were given this as you came in, I encourage you to look it over. It's got some very important information, and I want to encourage you to consider financially blessing the Athens Pregnancy Center um, so that they can continue to do the great work they're doing. Speaking of children... Our children that wish to go to Children's Church, you're dismissed out that exit right there. Man, we have this like, army of kids right here. It was so bl- cool for me to be sitting in front of them. Look at this. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, we have a special guest in the audience. Uh, when I go to Uganda every year, I am incredibly blessed to minister under the ministry of Pastor Isaac Katuaka at the Glorious Church of Christ in Kampala. And his wife, Prasi, is with us today. So, Prasi, would you stand? We honor you. We bless you. It is awesome to have you with us. She is a speaker and an author and a worship leader among supporting her husband, just amazed at her ministry, and uh, it's a joy. It is truly an honor and a joy to have you with us today. Uh, as you guys know, we've had some significant staff uh Challenges in recent months and seeing Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Jeff uh, leave us for family issues and um, as you know, we've been seeking the Lord about filling various uh, vacancies and gaps in our ministry. Well, God has provided a wonderful provision and Judy Childs coming back on staff 10 hours a week. Stand, Judy. Come on, stand. So... Uh, She is our Director of Strategic Placement and Ministry Support. You're like, what does that mean? Well, one of the areas that she will be involved in that I'm very excited about is meeting with people one-on-one to really assess where are you at with God, where might God want you to go to the next level spiritually, how might we help that happen, but also where might you serve? So it's kind of the growth and service piece. So that's what we mean by strategic placement. And uh, so just so excited to have Judy ten hours a week back on staff with us part time. So God's just been so good to to provide different leadership with some of our vacancies. All right, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. We are in a series on generosity. Now, I want to want you to rest assured that you know when, when when churches do a series on money or generosity or finances, There's usually a big ask on the other end. You know, It's like in the middle of a capital campaign, we're going to take a big offering or we're going to ask you to make a three-year commitment to a new project. That is not the case here, so I just want you to relax. Uh, There's four reasons why we're doing this series. Number one, the Bible talks a lot about money and possessions. There are 2,000 verses in the Bible about money and possessions, twice as many verses as faith and prayer combined. Number two, we're doing this series because as we learned two weeks ago, God is a generous God and we are called to be like him. So when you become more generous, you become more like God and that is one of the goals of the Christian life. Number three, we're doing this series because there are a lot of warnings in the Bible about the dangers of coveting, greed, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The guy who just wanted to accumulate, 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 build bigger barns. And Jesus said, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. In the parable of the sower and the seeds and how the love of money and the desire for more things caused the word to get squelched and and it didn't grow. So there's all these warnings about the dangers of materialism and, and the love of money and all that. Fourth reason we're doing this series is because on the flip side of that, there's so many blessings for generosity. Give, and it shall be given. Press down, running over. It's more blessed to give than receive. And so there's so many verses that say that God blesses us when we cooperate with him and we're generous. So this is week two of our series. We're also doing this devotional. And if you don't have a copy of this, they're in the lobby. Today is day 14, so there's 40 days of devotions. Today is day 14. You're not far behind, even if you just start today. And if you have an iPhone, it's not available on all smartphones, but the iPhone, the app Give With Joy gives you those readings as well. And so you can access them through that app. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me give you the historic background before we read this. There was a famine in Jerusalem. The believers were suffering financially and materially. The churches of Macedonia had taken up an amazingly generous offering to bless the Christians in Jerusalem. Paul uses the example of the Macedonians' generosity to motivate the Corinthians to follow their example and to also be generous, and he was going to come and receive their offering for the suffering church in Jerusalem. So let's stand together as I read 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 9. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Thus the title of the message, Poverty Generosity. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Father, anoint your word, now we pray. Help us apply it. Help us receive it as you would have it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so if you're in my preaching class or in my preacher's club, this is what is called a topical expository message. It's topical in that it is dealing with the series we're doing on generosity. But it's expository because I'm taking one passage and I will get all the points from that one passage. Thus, it is a topical expository message. Point number one is this. comes right out of the passage. Generosity is motivated by grace. Seven times in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, the word grace is used. He says in verse 1, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God given to the believers of Macedonia. Three other times in just these nine verses, he mentions grace, 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 grace. Why is that? Beloved, because everything we have and everything we are that is good is by the grace of God. Amen? We do not deserve it. We deserve the judgment of God and the wrath of God, but instead, he gives us his love, his grace, his salvation, his mercy, his provision. This is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 it says, "What do you have that you have not received? And why do you boast as if you have it on your own?" Everything we have that is good is from God's grace. It is by grace we are saved. By grace we are sustained. By grace, He empowers us. By grace, He gives us His promises. By grace, does He pour into our lives. By grace, does He love us with an unconditional love. God is a God of love, grace, and mercy. And when you receive salvation in Jesus, you receive His amazing, unconditional, unlimited grace. And that is what motivates your generosity. You're motivated to be generous. Because of what he has poured into you by his grace. And that's what he emphasizes over and over here. Point number two, generosity is not determined by circumstances. Now we often say, well, I'll be generous when I win the lottery. I'll be generous when I get a pay raise. I'll be generous when God really heaps something big upon me. But in the case of these believers, did you notice that passage in verse 3? And this is what our title poverty generosity is based on it says for in a severe test of affliction you read my book well done i have a chapter well done in passing tests god puts us through tests just like in school you pass or you fail a test determines whether you've mastered the material if you pass you get elevated you get elevated in the kingdom when you pass the test god puts before you if you fail, sometimes you have to retake the test or you get demoted. They were in a severe test of affliction. What was that test? Well, the Macedonian believers, many believe, had, had gone through an incredible difficulty because of their faith in Jesus. Some had lost their jobs. Some had declined financially and materially because of their faith in Jesus. They were being per- many of them were being persecuted. And yet, in the midst of that, what does it say? Their abundance... Of what complaining going on a pity party whining posting on social media that they had all these problems no it says what does it say an abundance of what joy how do you have joy amidst a severe test of affliction only by the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life whereby he gives you a joy amidst the difficulties you're going through something difficult externally but internally it is well with your soul That is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Then it says, even in their extreme poverty, they overflowed in a wealth of generosity. In other words, beloved, generosity is not ultimately determined by your circumstances and by the size of your wallet. It's determined by the size of your heart. (laughs) Because their wallet wasn't very plush, but their heart. Beating strong with the presence and the power of God in their life. And what a testimony this is to a watching world when your circumstances are negative, but your heart is positive and you can even be generous. So it's not determined by circumstances. Number three, and I love this point generosity can be a supernatural experience. We already see the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit in giving them joy amidst their affliction. But we're going to take that another step further. And look at verse 3. It says that they gave beyond their means. It says, first of all, I can testify that they gave according to their means. Okay, that's easy. You have it, you give it. That's according to your means. But then it says they gave beyond their means. All right, now we know what it means to live beyond your means. (laughs) That's when you spend more than you receive. That's why a lot of people are in bad debt. Because they're living beyond their means. They're spending more than they're bringing in. This talks about giving beyond your means. What does that mean? How can a person give beyond what they have? Well, let me give you three suggestions of what this might mean. And I'm open to other suggestions. So email me this week. And we've had some testimonies this morning that give some examples of what this might mean. We had somebody in, in second service that, that said um, that, that they had, she literally... There was no money in her account. And she didn't know how she was going to pay some bills. She calls the bank and they said, oh no, you have $500 in your account. She has no clue where that came from. God provided for her in a supernatural way. I have seen times in the various churches I've pastored when when I have looked at our bank balance one week and the next week and what's here this week just is beyond what was given in the offering. And, and I said this many times, I am 100% convinced that there have been times when God sent angels and made deposits in the church's account that is unexplainable apart from him. That may be what's going on here. But here's my three suggestions. Number one, I think giving beyond your means could mean that you are led by the Spirit, not manipulated by man. You are led by the Spirit to commit to doing something that you don't have the means to do unless God supernaturally provides. It's the person who says, I believe God is calling me to give $1,000 to the Athens Pregnancy Center. Or I believe God is calling me to give $1,500 to the Generations Project. I don't have it right now. I'm going to trust Him to provide in order to meet that for which I am Asking him to allow me to do that's giving beyond your means. You don't currently have the means But you believe he's calling you to do something beyond your means and he provides the means for you to do it That's supernatural This is why I love the topic of money and possessions Because it is one area in the christian life where we have the privilege and it is a privilege to experience god in tangible ways You know this idea of love the lord with all your heart soul mind and strength Do you ever feel like you do that? How do you know if you do it? How tangible is that? But money and possessions is very tangible. I didn't have the money. God provided. It was amazing what happened. And now I get to do this, and it's experiencing God in a supernatural way. So that's one way that you can give beyond your means. The second way that this could be talking about is that it's, it's, a, it's, it's giving sacrificially. So you're sacrificing something in order to give. So in other words, maybe you say, you know what? I'm going to give up that $5 Starbucks drink I get every day. And instead of spending it here, I'm going to not do that. I'm going to sacrifice. And I'm going to give that money to this ministry. The third way that this could be referring to is simply God multiplying what we do. God just supernaturally coming in, whether it's an angel that makes a deposit in your bank, or whether it's just something that comes out of the blue, check in the mailbox. We had a testimony this morning of of somebody who testified. I was a college student in our first service, 815 service. A college student said that he has been faithful with tithing, even giving beyond the tithe. And he says one of the ways that he's seen God bless that is that sometimes he'll get notices from UGA saying this fee is no longer something you have to pay for he said he's experienced that on a number of occasions where he thought he was going to have to pay for something. And God blessed by basically not having that be required. Now, one more thing about this number three, and I love this, is in verse four. We, they pleaded with us for the privilege of giving. And I love that because it shows that there was such a desire, such a heart behind it. It wasn't something they were coerced to do, something they were manipulated to do. It wasn't in the flesh. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. Because they so desired to be generous that they literally pleaded for the privilege to give. Please let us give in that offering. So where does all this come from? Number four, generosity is a lordship issue. It's a lordship issue. It's a matter of the heart, not the wallet. And we see that in verse 5 where he says, They gave themselves first to the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Beloved, what God wants is our heart. And the lordship of Jesus is that because Jesus gave his all for us, C.T. Studd, the famous missionary, said once, if Jesus be God and give his all for me, how could I not give my all to him? And it's a matter of being surrendered. It's a matter of him being Lord of our life, not just the Savior of our sins, but the Lord of our life. Is he Lord of your life? Has there been a time in your life when you have volitionally and consciously said, God, I surrender? I yield this to you. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've literally said to God, God, I surrender my money and my possessions to you so that it's not my car, my home, my IRA. It's yours, God. And see, this is the the difference between giving and returning. I, I prefer the term returning to the Lord because if I give to the Lord, then it's mine to give. But if I truly believe that it's all his and it is his, Then I'm returning a portion of what is already his. This is the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. The owner leaves his possessions with his three servants. What a picture. God has left us with his possessions. This is the whole picture of of Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents. By the way, the the word talent in the Greek literally means a possession. It's a a term of financial uh, deal. So he leaves one five... Leaves another three and leaves another two. He leaves. He comes back. That's representative of God's going to come back and we're going to have to give an account for our life. And Brian may have more talents and abilities and possessions than I have. He had five. I'm not to compare with him. I'm responsible for the three that he gave me. And the owner, I love this, the owner comes back. And the servants have to give an account. And they're held accountable for what they did with his possessions. And it's a picture of the Christian life. Listen, Jesus bought us with his blood. We're his. Not just our soul, not just our spirit, but our everything, everything is his. And that's why I love in, 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 the, in the first day of the devotional, what did he deal with? Ownership. Who really owns it? It's a great question, isn't it? Who owns your possessions? Who owns your bank account? Who owns your retirement fund? Who owns your clothing and what you came to this building in? Does God own it or you own it? And listen, when, when we truly get this and experience this, it's so free. Because he's the one that's responsible to provide. And if he says, give half of it away, we had a testimony in second service of somebody who felt led of God to give away $35,000. Of their retirement fund, their entire retirement fund. She gave it all away, and she gave testimony after testimony of how God has provided for her and her husband. Many times, just at the midnight hour. Many times, just supernaturally. Amazing. See, she's she's tasting and seeing that God is good. (laughs) This is why I love this topic, because some of these some of these stories are unexplainable apart from God. I love the story of John Wesley founded the Methodist Church. When his house burned to the ground, his response was, quote, it was God's house, not mine. That just means I have one less thing to take care of. Anybody that can respond that way knows this issue, this point of ownership. Who really owns it? Martin Luther, the great reformer, said people go through three conversions, the head, the heart, and the wallet. Unfortunately, they don't all occur at the same time. Usually the wallet is the last to get converted. Why is this? Because we want security, don't we? If we're really honest, one of the reasons this is a struggle is because, well, there's two reasons, I believe. Many people get their identity from what they own. They get their identity from the kind of car they drive or the house they own or clothes they wear. It gives them a sense of, I've arrived. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm good, I'm better than him, I'm successful. I think the second reason is that it gives us security. I've got the security knowing that, that I've got an extra in the bank account should something happen. I've got the security of, of knowing that this part of my financial package is all taken care of. And God God understands that. This is why he challenged, that's why he said so much about it in the New Testament. You know, like look to the birds of the air. Do you not see that God will provide? Even they're arrayed better than Solomon. Your father knows your every need. will take care of you. All right, point number five. Generosity is an important area of spiritual growth. Verse seven is very interesting um, because it lists a number of areas that we all know where to grow in, but then it tags on this area of generosity. And so look closely at verse seven. But as you excel in everything, in other words, we're to all be growing and excelling and advancing and maturing. In what areas? All right, let's take a few. He says, first of all, in faith. Oh, that's pretty given, isn't it? We're to grow in faith. Remember the disciples said, Lord, help our faith increase. Lord, we believe, help thou our unbelief. And we know that faith comes by, hearing by the word of God. So we know we're to grow in faith. Your, your, your level of faith or trust in God should be greater today than it was maybe two years ago. So we're to grow in faith. Okay, check. That's a given. Then we're to grow in speech. Book of James talks about, you know, that, uh, who can tame the tongue. That there's, and the proverb says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, you, you bless God with this sentence and you curse God in your next sentence, or you curse man in your next sentence. How can that be? So we're to grow in speech. That's a big area of growth. It's what comes out of our mouth. Blessing people and saying positive things. Then we're to grow in knowledge. That's a given. 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we grow in knowledge? We grow in the word. We grow in theology. I loved it today. I was walking under the pavilion. Two of our young adults came up and said, hey, man, we're excited to tell you, Pastor David, we're going through systematic theology together. I'm like, that's awesome. These guys are going deep in the knowledge of God through systematic theology. Delights my heart. Then this next one, it says, grow in earnestness. What's that? It's an emotional word. It's zeal. It's desire. doesn't mean that we all have to be, you know, jump a chair, jump a few, shout and dance and spin around, that kind of person. We all express emotion differently. However, it does say we're to be growing in earnestness. Your passion for God should be greater this day than it was a year ago. Again, it might be manifested differently, but it is an emotional word that you have a greater hunger, desire for God. I love that so many of you came forward today saying, I need more of the release of the spirit of my life. That's awesome. You're growing in earnestness. Then it says, and our love for you. So we're to grow in love. And then, in addition to that, it says, excel in this act of grace also. Some translations say, this act of the grace of giving. So in other words, generosity is an area that we should all be growing in, just like these other important areas of our spiritual life. Thus, this series, thus this devotional, we're putting the spotlight on this for 40 days so that we can excel in the grace of giving because it's an important area of spiritual growth. And finally, number six, generosity is modeled by the gospel of Jesus. I love the way he wraps this up in verse 9. It's almost like an inclusio, some call it. Verse 1 is about grace. Verse 9 is certainly about grace, but it's modeled in the gospel of Jesus. Look at verse 9 in your Bible. It says, Jesus, though he was rich, became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. What does that mean? Say, Jesus wasn't rich. He wouldn't carry it around in a chariot everywhere he went. He didn't have a lot of material possessions. Listen, he was rich in glory. He was rich in power. He was rich in sovereignty. He was rich in coexisting from eternity past with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He was rich in being co-creator of the universe. Let us make man in our image. He was rich in fellowship with the Father and the Spirit from eternity past. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how he was rich. And then he became poor. How did he become poor? What does that mean? He became poor in becoming a man. He became poor in entering this sin-infested world. He became poor in being born to marry a woman he created and then having to depend on the very woman he created. He became poor in for three years being virtually homeless. The Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head, he said. He became poor relationally in one of his 12 literally betraying him. He became poor in having so many people that that would spit on him and lie about him and mistreat him. He especially became poor physically in being flogged and beaten and whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails and being crucified and nailed to a tree. He became poor spiritually. In saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When for the first time in all of eternity he was separated from the Father because he was receiving not only our sin but the wrath and the judgment of God for sin, he became poor in all of those matters. But then, three days later, <laughs> he rose from the dead. His blood purchased our salvation. So through his poverty, when we place our faith in Christ alone for salvation, we become rich. Rich how? Rich in love. Rich in righteousness. Rich in acceptance. Rich in becoming a child of God. Rich in our inheritance. And rich ultimately in having a home in heaven where we'll dwell with God forever. Beloved, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That though he was rich, He became poor that through his poverty we might become rich in salvation and in provision and in knowing that he will take care of us. So all of this boils down to the gospel. And if you're here today and you've not received Christ, receive the free gift because it's all been done. Your salvation has been fully paid for so that you can just by faith receive it. Give your life to Jesus. He'll accept you into his family. He'll forgive your sins. And you'll begin the life for which you were created to experience. All right, let's review what we've learned. Then we'll take some questions. We've seen today that that generosity is is motivated by grace. The gospel. (laughs) We've seen that it's not determined by circumstances. That even in their poverty they gave. That it can be supernatural because you can give beyond your means. God's supernaturally kicking his power and provision into the equation. It's ultimately a lordship issue. Have you surrendered to the lordship of Jesus? And that it's an important area of spiritual growth. What we're doing is so important in this series because it's an area that God wants us to advance in. And ultimately, it's modeled in the gospel because Jesus gave his all for you and me. All right, let's take some questions. Shannon, if you and someone else can... Already, Good job. So if you have a question or, I tell you what, or a, or a brief testimony, we've had some great testimonies today of people saying, hey, here's how I've experienced generosity or here's how I've experienced the blessing of God in being generous. So questions or brief testimonies. Just raise your hand. They'll bring a mic to you.
2: Um, as we're learning to, like, follow God's voice in our life, when it comes to generosity, how would you say to help us distinguish, like, the leading of the Holy Spirit versus, like, trying to fill some ideal or you'd comment on, like, being manipulated or something like that? Like, how would you distinguish that?
1: That's a good question. I think, first of all, obviously the Word. You know, you filter any, any impression you have. Okay, is this God speaking or not? You filter it through Scripture because God will never speak in a way that's contrary to His Word. I think another is, is it consistent with His nature? So look at his word, look at his nature. And then thirdly, I would probably say motive. What's your motive? What's your heart? You know, if you have this impression to do something, but really, if you're honest, it's to look good before others. You know, remember when Jesus went and people were putting their money in there and the Pharisees were doing it to be seen by man, he'd rebuke them. But the widow who just gave like a penny, she was giving from her heart. And he says, that's the way God wants us to give. So I think the word, character, and motive would be three good kind of, grids to put that to send that through by the way this this issue of hearing the voice of god it's been coming up a lot lately our youth are really hungry to know how to hear god's voice and um, in my book well done there's a chapter well done in hearing god and i give about 10 different ways that god speaks to us so commend that to you if that would be helpful i love that there's i'm seeing more and more people hungry to really know the voice of God, hear the voice of God, be led by the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind, it's always going to be filtered through here. This is our sure voice. But he does speak through other ways in addition to the Bible. Other questions or testimony? Right here.
2: Mama made me stand up. Okay, I have two testimonies um, in regards to this. One um, was when we first came here, when the church first opened. Um, My husband is Joshua, if you don't know us, um, he's the drummer. Um, And we were really living paycheck to paycheck, then, like, struggling to keep the lights on. And the Lord told us to give $500, I think, here, just to tithe $500. And we were like, hmm. That's a a lot. Um, And we did, and God just, like, opened up doors. And then we were, like, since then, had just had financial plenty, um, like, an abundance to just give and save. And um, it was very refreshing. Um, It was a really cool act of just, oh, when we are obedient, God will bless us. Um, And then another was recently. um, God kind of did a career shift. With my husband, and um, we've been kind of living off of our teachers, my my teachers' salary, and then a little bit. Like he, he's a personal trainer now, so it's not so much financially. So we're kind of back in that, like, okay, it's tight, but we know God will provide. Um, And God called us to give to some uh, missionaries, and struggled with that for a little bit. Um, And he said, "When you give, I will open up the doors." okay, I know, you, I know I've seen you do this before. Um, so I did. Okay, it took me a little while. So I was a little, a little slow to obedience with this one. But um finally o- obeyed. And the very next day, the very next day, um, an old friend that I haven't heard from in years texted me, said, come see me. That was, that was it, come see me this week. And the Lord told me to go see her that day. And she offered my husband a part in their company. So Love this it. really is like...
1: It works, doesn't yes, it? obedience works. <laughs> it works. God is true to his word. And we'll, we'll cover this, I don't know which week it is in this series, but when we, when we go to Malachi 3, he says, test me. See if I will not. I mean, for God to say, test me. And it's the only area that he says test me in is in the area of finances.
3: God forgiving and teaching me about giving to God because you hear so many bad things before you get saved. Oh, he riding, the preacher riding around in the Cadillac and all that stuff. This preacher
1: doesn't, I can tell you (laughs) that. (laughs) My van has
3: 320,000 miles. But it was
1: given to me by somebody. That
3: was like bondage from the world, you know. But God brought taught me and raised me up to be given. You want to give. When you yeah. get this Holy Ghost, you get saved. You delivered from drugs and all that stuff. Get, get cigarettes, all that. You want to give God, give God. Well, my grandkids see me giving God. And I'm telling you, ain't nothing too much to give God. And they see that. And they, and they give. She gives to people on the corner. She got to give. She give $2. She Mama, grandma, bring me back. I got two more dollars. She just got to give. They're going to give to God. And I think it's a seed that's been stored and watered, and they're going to give God a whole life long.
1: Amen. Good word.
4: All right. Um, Anybody else? Yes. I'm the one giving now, (laughs) David. Anyway, I want to give this testimony about, again, giving. Uh, before we came to US, uh, after coming to know, to sow, and to to give tithe, uh, my background, I was born under denomination of Catholic. I didn't know exactly what tithing meant, but when got saved, and I started learning the tithing and sewing. Uh, It happened when we were in Uganda. Uh, We didn't have a lot, but this time uh, we got a new car. We, we, We managed to get two cars. So when we got a new car, we had this one. And I was with my wife, God brought to us that we have to Give this second car as a seat. It didn't make sense at that moment, but we went to prayer. I struggled, and we went with prayer with my wife, and uh, finally, we realized, yeah, this was God. We saw it to one of the pastors who God put on us. Um, we didn't know what it meant, but we believed God. So we came to U.S. and we had only one car. And this time, my daughter was going to, uh, to college and she needed a car. We didn't have, at that time, I was not allowed to work. We were on stipend. But at that moment, a person came. He brought us keys on her birthday. That Robert, this is a gift for your daughter. Mm. What a blessing it was. And I said, God, we give you thanks.
1: Amen. (laughs) Boy, and if you want to hear more testimonies about provision, talk to Robert and Juliet, because they have seen provision after provision after provision in their time here. All right, here's what I want to do. Worship team, come on and get ready. If If you say today, you know... I want to experience God more in the area of finances, and I'm not going to be any more specific than that. But you just kind of want to go to a new level in, in just experiencing God, being led of the Spirit, holding everything with an open hand, being generous. Uh, I'm just going to invite you to stand. Um, that's all I'm going to do is have, hey, you're stand, I'm going to pray over you, and then we'll sing a final song. So if you say today, I, I, I want to experience God in new ways, I want to go to new levels in, in this area of generosity, would you just stand? And I want to pray over you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God, we thank you. I just thank you for the, the openness right now, the, the desire, the willingness to, to advance in this important area you say a lot about it in your word because it's so important and it's such a part of our daily lives i mean you can't get away from this we're gonna many are gonna stop and put gas in their car others are gonna need to go to the grocery store and we've got bills to pay and we've got this and that and our economy is not real great right now and inflation's on the rise and gas prices are high and there's covid and all these things that are pressing in and yet in the midst of that you are faithful you are bigger You are able to do and accomplish that which concerns us. So God, especially for those standing now, I pray your grace. I pray your blessings. I pray just for an increased activity of your spirit in their lives. I pray that they will hear your voice more clearly, be led of your spirit, that even in the next 24 hours they might take an inventory and that you might speak to them about something they are to do different something they are to do more bold, I don't know. But you know exactly what you have for them. And I pray that it would be that add to your faith this, the 2 Peter 2, or 2 Peter 1, add to your faith this, and add to this, that, and add to that, that, that they would be adding, adding greater experience of you in their lives in this area, and that it will lead to an abundance of testimonies for your glory. So God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to honor these that want to go to a new level with you in this area. We praise you and we thank you in Christ's name. Let's all stand now. And as the worship team leads us in the final song, I'd like to ask our prayer team, if y'all would be available on the sides. if you have a need praying for something in your life, maybe you want to intercede for somebody else, you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer, you go to one of those that are available to